Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody. This is Brian back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today with me, I have Kim Clark Sharp. Uh, She's been with me before. You may remember her from episode 78. If you didn't catch that episode, make sure you go back and look it up. Uh, Kim, she's a great person to talk to, a great storyteller, and she told a really fascinating near-death experience. I'm going to introduce Kim. and Today, we're going to talk about angels in particular, though. So Kim is the author of After the Light, The Spiritual Path to Purpose, uh, which was uh, published by William Moron Company in 1995. Uh, she's a founder of the Seattle Ions Association of Near-Death Studies, which is the world's oldest and largest support group for near-death experiencers since 1982. She was named one of the 40 most influential people under the age of 40 in the Pacific Northwest in 1987. Kim's also the founder of the Department of Social Work at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. She's a pioneer in the field work in the field of critical care social work. Uh, she's an international conference and workshop speaker. You may have seen her as a moderator at the IONS conference recently, which was held online. Uh, she's been published in many journals, textbooks, and magazines. Kim's also a consultant to the news and entertainment industry. Uh, she's a co-teacher of terminal illness seminar at the School of Medicine, University of Washington. She has been done, she's done that. She's a clinical assistant professor and she has a master of social work. So that's quite a bit. But with that, I want to introduce Kimberly Clark Sharp. Hi. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Nice seeing you. Our time is up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's quite a resume. And uh, I, I, like I said, I want to highly recommend anybody that didn't hear your earlier episode to go back and catch that. But if you could just briefly take us through your near-death experience, just kind of give us a background of, of who you are. Yeah, I, I would like to do that. Thank you. And then also add some more layers uh, to your introduction because it just wasn't long enough. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, listeners, I love Brian. So it's very easy for me to be at home in front of my computer monitor. We're talking like, hi, you know, so it's, I'm not in a very, very formal mood around Brian. Yeah, it's fine. But you're going to get this sincere, how does that work? The sincere, Kim. Yeah. Uh, my near-death experience um, was in 1970. And I was in college, and I collapsed 
for reasons that were never fully determined um, because the volunteer fire department from where my body lay in Shawnee Mission, Kansas, by the way, um, came with a portable ventilator that was brand new and they applied it uh, with a seal around my mouth, turned it on, but there were two modes to this portable ventilator to ventilate, go figure. And then um, to the vacuum to extract objects that might be blocking a person's airway. And I had nothing in my throat, but they, the default was on vacuum. So when they turned it on, I already had been, according to a uniformed nurse who happened to be passing by my body and, you know, waved down by my dad who was with me. Um, She wasn't getting a pulse. She didn't perceive any breath. So whatever oxygen I had left in my body, I mean, literally had the life sucked out of me. It was Mm. just pretty dramatic. Mm -hmm. And uh, my resuscitation was long, but I was young and they weren't going to give up. Um, my dad, we were just coming out of the Department of Motor Vehicles, so my dad noted the time that we left, and then the time that I was admitted to the emergency room of the local trauma center, which was in Kansas City, which was, uh, you know, a ways from where my body lay. Mm-hmm. And um, that was an hour and a half. So in that hour and a half, a lot happened. Yeah. Again, I was being resuscitated, though. It wasn't like I woke up in the morgue with a toe tag on you know i mean right. when rigor mortis starts i don't care what you say there's no coming back so i, I was still like alive mm-hmm. but not breathing on my own even remotely but uh the headlines of my near-death experience was i could hear a woman's voice to my left saying i'm not getting a pulse i'm not getting a pulse and that turned out to be the uniform nurse i talked to her she ignored me i thought i could be heard I couldn't, mm-hmm. but that's how "quote unquote" real my my time in that space felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just gave up and went to another place that I seemed to find or was taken to. I don't know, but I was surrounded by very warm, gray, foggy material. I knew I wasn't alone. I had no anxiety. It felt like the most normal thing in the world, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, it was as if, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the waiting bay at a gate of the airport. I got my ticket. I'm just waiting for my, my suction to be called. It was, it was nothing in terms of anxiety. It felt normal. I couldn't see who I was with because of that dark gray fog, but then uh, a light erupted under me and, and then just enveloped me. And, and everything that I could see, which brings up the point of how could I see anything? My body had my eyeballs in it. Mm-hmm. What was I doing looking at anything? Mm-hmm. I still haven't figured that out. I don't get how that works. But yeah. I could see just fine, thank you. And this light, which I call God, or my creator, or Brian, for that matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because there are no words, and then mm-hmm. there's all words. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, I was shown uh, in a linear fashion. This light just went on forever, literally. Um, I was shown that, and then also how this light was simultaneously layering on itself. And I, I somehow knew that the light that was going out in all directions uh, was linear time, as we know it, at mm-hmm. least. And I don't know if that's earth time or universe time or what. I 
you know, dang, I left my watch on my body. But um, uh, the layers were dimensions. And at my age, I don't even think I'd heard of, you know, in Kansas, dimensions. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I got it. I somehow understood it. And that was also like an ending. It was incredible. But the main thing is that this light was all love. It was just a love that even as a parent and a happy wife and a happy person on the planet, I have not been able to give or receive. It was beyond anything. And it was for everybody. You know, I'd like to think that bad guys get theirs in the end, but now this light, this God loves everyone equally. End of story. Um, And then I was told I had to go back, argued. I'm here to say you can argue with God. You know, you may not win the argument, but you can certainly give it the old college try, which is literally what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, then I was sent back, and I missed my body by about three feet, which ironically is why I flunked that test (laughs) at the DMV. I couldn't parallel park a car within three feet, so they said, come back when you're not sweating in the palm so much, you know. So I thought here I had the most wonderful experience. I looked at my body and I thought, I can't even park myself. (laughs) But the body that was on the ground was not me, wasn't Kim. My personality, my memories, my attachments even, my sense of self were looking at meat. Just nothing there without my spirit. It was just... (laughs) Nothing, just just biology. And then uh, I saw a man I didn't recognize bend over and, and put his mouth against mine. Well, that was mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Mm-hmm. And um, so I that drew me back into my body and threw him. Wink, wink. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. I knew everything about the guy. As you passed he, through him going into your as body. I through him, yeah. Yeah. Um, my dad called him the Good Samaritan for the rest of my father's life. You know, he really, and if Good Samaritans can swear like a mule skinner or a sailor, <laughs> he was both. Okay. I mean, according to my father, the air was thick with very naughty words. But um, I, I, that, I didn't perceive any of that in him. I, I perceived compassion. Hmm. And here it just been with the greatest love of all. And of course, I'm going to be drawn to it. You know, I think the physical contact helped, the, the mouth-to-mouth, but um, uh, man, it was the love he had for me. I was a stranger, hmm. and he loved me. Hmm. And as I went through him, I loved him, too. Hmm. And then, uh, but then I was trapped in a, a very bad body situation. Um, when I got to the emergency room, my admitting temperature was 86, oh, which, wow. you know, is... A um, and you know, nice if you're in a pool, yeah, swimming around with your kids, but yeah. not it's pretty cold internally, yeah. exactly. And so, yeah, so I beg for God to come back. I'm sorry, I said I'd give you the short version. This is actually the short version yeah. of what happened. I'm yeah. skipping over things. I know you are. Well, and again, go back to episode seven if you want to hear the details, which you should. Oh, thank you, dear. Uh, it's nice. <laughs> I sure like you. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, I, I beg to be brought back to heaven, to homey home. That's what I called it, homey yeah. home. Yeah. And um, so, again, skipping over stuff, 
uh, God fortunately showed up again and said, all right, all right, you know, I'm such a whiner, Brian. <laughs> it just annoyed God enough. They went, all right, enough. So uh, a window or portal or something opened up to my right. And I was told that if I went through that, I wasn't coming back. That was my border. Mm. And so I went, okay, bye. But then I was distracted by a flash of light and it was the beginning of showing me my future. Should I choose to live? Mm. And there was a place where mountains met water, which sure wasn't Kansas. Yeah. And then that dissolved. I was heading into heaven and uh, which is beautiful, by the way. I mean, we can talk about that another time, but it was so beautiful. And um, another flash of light, just as I was going through this window, and it was people. It was like a portrait gallery of people that I would significantly interact with if I chose to live in that captions underneath. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing glorious, you know, no world leaders or celebrities. It was just, you know, best friend, next door neighbor, colleague, mentor stuff um i didn't know those people so back to heaven i'm going and then there was a f- another flash and it was me being of service something that had never occurred to me in my life to yeah, be honest yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't uh i just you know didn't think about it and um i said cool and it turns out you know god's a hippie cool mm-hmm. means yes you know cool dude i you know i i was back And um, in my opinion, I was back to serve Mm. because Mm. that's when I said cool. Mm. And so I've approached my life ever since then as one of service. Yeah. Clearly clearly from your resume, that's what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like at this time, why am I even alive? Haven't I checked all the boxes? But there's obviously still more work to be done. And I'm joyfully providing what I can. And this show is an example of that. I want to help people. I want yeah. to inspire people. I want to comfort people. I want to inform people. I want to well, love And you're, you're doing all that. And like I said, I, I know your near-death experience, it, it is fascinating. And you just told a very quick version of it. So people can go back and they can get your book also, I guess, to find out more detail. But today um, we were going to talk about angels. So is this what triggered you starting to see angels? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Yes and no. Um, I uh, first, you know, you think I would be prepared for this broadcast, but I'm an off the cuff kind of person, Mm -hmm. and I'm a feeling kind of person, so I don't have the stuff in the can. Yeah, that's that's fine. From my heart. Yeah. So sorry about the pauses or the fumbling of words. It's no, it's fine. Moment, um, angels. Can I preface this with something? Sure. I'm actually a grounded person. 
I mean, I'm from Kansas, grounded. Mm-hmm. Went to college at Kansas State University in the middle of the state, grounded. Uh, Lutheran, grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, married a Seattle firefighter, grounded. Uh, he's the only fellow I ever wanted to marry, and we're still married after decades and decades, grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, three kids, two stepkids, one birth child, and one, one baby that didn't make it which puts me in an odd way in your realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but grounded. Social worker, grounded. Advanced degree, grounded. Clinical assistant professor at the University of Washington. Taught death and dying for 20 years. All that requires groundedness. All the things I've found it. Mm-hmm. I have ground underneath my feet. And yet, Angels. And I might add negative energy to scary things and way too many dead people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, um, but angels have, so yeah, you know, we'll never know if, what if I had not had a near death experience mm-hmm. this have opened up to me, but since my near death experience, I uh, feel like I've, I walk in two worlds that mm. grounded one, but also one that allows me visions and intuitions and communications that certainly weren't going on before my near-death experience. Okay. But what really set it off for me in my memory, uh, it was the first time I saw angels with my eyeballs. So and you objectively see angels? Yes, I, okay. I did. Okay. Now it's more subjective. But okay. That's, yeah, but many years went by of, yeah, visualizing, mm-hmm. eyes on. You know, oh, it's up here, buddy. I mean, it's <laughs> like, um, and I also have to say that when I have ever seen an angel, I stop on a dime. I, I, what are you angels here, for lack of a better word? Well, we're we'll just say very positive vibes, <laughs> spiritual, positive, holy, for lack of a better word. <laughs> okay. And I cannot, to this day, perceive of an angel without pretty much collapsing on the floor, shaking like a leaf, because there's a power that comes with these beings as well Hmm. that humbles me to the point of utter dysfunction. And fortunately, I've never been in a situation where I was going to endanger myself or others, except for maybe one time. When uh, I saw an angel, and, but I, I can't, re- I just, I, I'm stupefied. Uh, so mm. when I talk about these angel encounters, it sounds so glib. In real life, it's not at all. Mm. I'm like as shocked as anyone would be like to see an angel. So uh, it was about seven and a half years after my near-death experience. After a few years of perceiving, unfortunately, and for who knows why, but what I call negative energy. Hmm. Some people might say demonic energy, but certainly bad juju. I mean, without a doubt, harmful, scary, terrifying, actually. Hmm. And uh, I bless those experiences too, though, because I think they led to the angel vision. And also those experiences led to a very powerful 
sense of myself in terms of dealing with negative energy, mm-hmm. which shows up all over the place. And frankly, which politically sometimes is at risk because I believe in underdog stuff mm-hmm. because I know angels are present. Mm-hmm. So I want to go support people that are oppressed or depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drawn to that because there be angels. Yeah. And what, you know, what can I say? Anyway, I had had uh, the unfortunate <laughs> experience of not chewing my food properly. And that was uh, peanuts. And one of the peanuts didn't fully digest. And as it was exiting my body, she says in the most ladylike fashion, uh, it just tore everything. It was a sharp edge that just ripped through. Mm. So I uh, became very ill, septic, had a bunch of surgeries that were not going well. And I thought, I'm, I want to go home to mom and dad. Mm. And I did for more surgeries. But I, I was single and uh, young still and um, really needed my parents mm-hmm. to look after me for further surgeries, which were ahead of me, and by the way, successful. But I became septic there as well, which means full of bad germs. Yeah. And very, very sick. And I was lying uh, on a couch in our family room when a very scary thing was approaching me in my I mean, no one was around. So I don't know if anyone could have seen what I saw or not. Mm. But it was a being that scared the snot out of me. And considering where my surgery was, I could use another word, come to think of it. Yeah. It was yeah. scary. Yeah. And I was petrified. And then all of a sudden, I saw movement off to my right and then to my left. And I thought, what? And there were what to this day I call angels Hmm. and how I knew there were angels. I I don't know, except for those feelings. Mm -hmm. They completely ignored me as angels do. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they came in and formed like a protective barrier between this thing and me. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned I'm Lutheran. All I could think at that time was, the song, I Know That My Redeemer Lives, mm-hmm. and I cannot sing, but it's like, I know, and I'm so scared. <laughs> I know that my Redeemer lives. I, I, lives. I would just, that's all I could think of. Mm. And this being shrunk from it, and these angels, for lack of a better word, were empowered by it. And I watched the whole thing. So then I got stronger about it. I know that my Redeemer lives. And it just seemed to, uh, it was like a prayer in my heart. Hmm, yeah. Not just a hymn. Yeah. It was a prayer. And uh, I got hurt my prayer. And because I, I guess maybe because I could perceive this thing, I was also going to perceive the things that were going to protect me from the thing. That's yeah. not for good vocabulary. The thing <laughs> and the things. Yeah. The angels... Uh, they were just making an introduction in my life. I have a cheat sheet because I don't want to forget any of my experiences. So here's my cheat sheet. Yeah, yeah. I talked off a bunch of my stories uh, before the broadcast. So 
So how did how did this this uh, negative being uh, appear? Was it demonic? Was it was it hum, humanoid or what was it like? Humanoid. I'd seen it before. Okay. Um, so had others. In this case, I live a graced life, Brian, and that my weird experiences are often with others. Hmm. So I get some validation going. They're mm-hmm. not internal. Sometimes they are, sometimes not. And um, I lived in a house with a roommate, and I had a lot of friends over, and, and this thing was fully present. You know, it was uh, it was nastier than I can I can tell you. And it, it grew in power, and, and it seemed to just want me, you know. Hmm. I, I felt weak in its presence, and um, uh, it just wanted to attach itself to me. And I felt like turn me into a bad guy or something instead of a child of God. Yeah. But I already knew as a child of God, I already knew I was going to heaven. Right. So it's like, in a way, uh, no chance. Yeah. No chance. But I was really happy to see what I perceived as angels. And there's a fellow by the name of Howard Storm. Yeah. But actually, was reminded of Howard's story as you were telling yours. Oh, well, yeah. So uh, he, in his near-death experience, also was surrounded by terrifying Mm -hmm. similar creatures that were Mm -hmm. also after him. You know, why? I don't know. But for either one of us, or for anybody, I don't know why. Yeah. He was an atheist. He didn't know how to pray. He didn't know what So he gave, like, the Boy Scout oath. Yeah. Uh, the national anthem. I mean, all kinds of things. But again, the prayer was heard in his heart. Same for me with, you know, I know that my Redeemer lives. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's a, uh, I could have, I believe, said something in Hebrew or in Farsi or in Polynesian dialect. Of it. You know, it's it's what comes from within. Right. It's not about the words. Right. Um. But uh, this thing did not like that hymn, and it sure didn't like the angels. And then when the angels were completely forming a barrier, and by the way, I'm like, which is what I am like all the time now. (laughs) Um, um, I could see them. So I can describe to you how I perceive angels, because it, it hasn't changed. If yeah, yeah. Not to know what an angel looks like. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, anyway, what an angel looks like. Uh, big. Huge. Ginormous. Yeah. But humanoid. Human in appearance, kind mm-hmm. of. But, but not of earthly size at all. Really big sons of guns. And um, I could see them. They were both visible and invisible. I could see them, but not see them. Um, I could see their faces. I could pick up their intentions. Um, They were um, not white, like we perceive. Here, I have a metaphor. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna drink an angel while I'm at it. This is a glass of water. Mm-hmm. 
That's how I see angels. It's like looking through a glass of water. So you can see the shape of the of the glass. Oh, the I container. see. Okay. okay. It's distorted, but you can see through it. Mm-hmm. So if this glass were an angel, that's what an angel would look like. So they're translucent, kind of like transparent, wobbly. A lot of motion. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the space up here above the water would be where I would see their faces. Hmm. Uh, which were different, were clearer than their bodies. But their bodies had a lot going on, a lot of motion. Hmm. And um, so I guess if I jiggled the water, but I would spill it all over me. Yeah, yes, I'd do that. <laughs> and there was a place uh, behind them were those wings. They looked like wings that were tucked in, but I never saw the bird take off, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know how much of my culture American culture, middle class culture, Lutheran culture, uh, college, you know, all those things that make up our perceptions. I don't know the influence on me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, were those wings or was it just all of the, the motion that I was seeing? I, and I don't know. Yeah. But they looked uh, in their faces. Uh, I'm making this point because. I've encountered many other angels that had different faces and different intentions, by the way. Hmm. Uh, But their faces were one of resolve, like calm resolve. And again, absolutely no notice of me whatsoever. It's like they were on a job. You know, they were, they were just on the job. So they were just there to protect you. So no communication with you. Okay. Nope. Okay. Nope, I might as well have not been in the room. Hmm. Um, absolutely not. It was like uh, I was just part of the job. Or, uh, he, that thing was part of the job. I'm not even sure I was part of the job. Yeah. But uh, they were there to protect me. And, of course, I have jumped the gun many times since then, thinking of people who were protected maybe by this little band of angels. It wasn't little. It was pretty big. And then why are some people protected and others not? And, you know, I can go cray cray. Just so I try yeah. not to intellectualize it and just accept it for what it is with gratitude, I might add. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe that NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. We'll get back to Grief to Growth in just a few seconds. Did you know that Brian is an author and a life coach? If you're grieving or know someone who is grieving, his book, Grief to Growth, is a best-selling, easy-to-read book that might help you or someone you know. People work with Brian as a life coach, to break through barriers and live their best lives. You can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com 
www.grief2growth.com or text GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H, to 31996. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash grief to growth, www.patreon.com slash G-R-I-E-F, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H, to make a financial contribution. And now, back to grief to growth. Yeah. Yeah, so that's when the angels first came into my awareness. Mm-hmm. I recovered from all the sepsis and infections and surgeries and, and went back to work at Harborview Medical Center, where I spent 10 years, and you mentioned in my intro, um, I spent pioneering the field of social work in critical care. Mm-hmm. And uh, where there are people that are sick, and sick and dying in particular, again, there be angels. Hmm. So angels became part of my work. So I you could, would see them when you were working with patients? Yes, sir. Okay. Wow. It was amazing. Amazing. They're busy. Again, utterly ignoring me. Take care okay. um, Ready for a story? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry? Okay. Yeah. So there was a, a patient in coronary care, name of Saul. He was a local cardiologist. And as it turns out, the intern on duty was his nephew, who was studying to be a physician. Okay. And uh, Saul was admitted, and he was doing fine until he wasn't. He went into cardiac arrest one day. And the nephew was in charge of the resuscitation, mm-hmm. which never should have happened, but no one wanted to stop him. And he kept calling for paddles for poor Saul, which is, you know, Zap. And, you know, Paul's, Paul was, he was not going to come back from that. Yeah. The nephew in love was not going to give up. So, right. it was, yeah. you know, shock after shock after shock. And people were looking at each other and then looking at me as a social worker, like, we need to call this. We need to call it. But no one wanted to interrupt a acutely grieving nephew sure, at that time. Sure. Then, in front of all of us, Saul, try this at home, people, Saul, lying in bed, not having had a heartbeat, zapped repeatedly, sat up in bed without bending his legs, like a puppet would come up, or a doll. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to do, especially as an older gentleman. Yeah. Uh, but it's hard for anyone to do if someone's not holding your ankles. It is, so yeah. Hold set up, like four, what, 45 degree angle. Mm-hmm. And he opened his eyes and a little smile came across his face. And he was looking up like I am. And so I wanted to see what he was looking at. What the hell? <laughs> and there coming like from the sky was a flying wedge of angels. The first time I saw the flying wedge, hmm. in it since. Okay. This was the first. And it was as if I had vision that could be, I wasn't, I wasn't impinged at all by a ceiling or walls or multiple floors in a huge hospital setting. I could see through all that. 
and see these angels, and again, like in a wedge, like geese. So like in a V formation. Yeah, geese. Yeah. Thank you for the words. Yeah. V formation. Told you I don't have the stuff in the can. <laughs> so Brian will now speak for me. <laughs> um, and again, ignored. And they came down, they came down, and Saul is looking like astonished. And yeah. And they got to him, and his body fell back. And I didn't see the angels anymore, but I knew they had taken Saul. It's like, swing low, sweet chariot. Yeah. They yeah. came and took him away. Yes. And then it was the social worker, yours truly, that went up to the intern and put my hand on his and said, no, he's gone. Yeah. He's so gone. that's a shared death experience that you had. You, you, you yeah. actually... Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even again, you speak for me, Brian. You're better than I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I gotta go now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're right. Wow. Well, anyway, so uh the angels again that I see mm-hmm. at the time were everywhere. They were all over the hospital. Again, very big, transparent, uh, sometimes hovering, sometimes bedside. Um, I have an example to belie all of that coming up in my head. But uh, and again, always ignoring me. I saw angels um, in traffic. I, and I want to tell that story. Hmm. I saw angels uh, in libraries at music events. Wow. All kinds of music. It didn't matter if it was hard rock or gospel. What are they doing at music events? Just hanging out or? Hanging out. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I'd never interviewed an angel. So what are you doing here didn't, didn't happen. <laughs> But I have seen angels hanging out. Thank you for the reminder. Uh, I was at the University of Washington Medical Center once. It was a, a medical fair for the community mm-hmm. annual event. And I was volunteering uh, in the social work, medical social work booth. And, you know, talking to people, a lot of good energy and all that. We were in a huge atrium-like room. So by atrium, I mean it just... This went up, up in the kind of a glass ceiling, but very mm-hmm. tall, no uh, no floors above it. And um, I'm just, you know, hanging around. When all of a sudden, bonk, there were angels. And again, shocking, they were hovering, uh, not above me, but kind of like above the whole scene. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, when I see angels also, it appears they have robes on. Okay. They're not naked Okay. They're, they're robed. Mm-hmm. Or they have garments of some kind. Yeah. But if I had walked over, I could have looked up their robes. It was like that. So they were above my height. Okay. They're above all the humans. No one was that tall in that big room. And they were like having a cocktail hour. They were totally on break. And I, I got that. Hmm. And it, I, I talk about hanging around. They were just like, you know, kind of having a downtime. And they so were we use the hovering. You mean they weren't like flying with their wings. They were just kind of hovering. Unk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a clutch of them. Hmm. 
maybe six or seven, somewhere in there. And so you, you, you've never received skirts. Yeah, but you didn't perceive any communication amongst them or? Yeah, I did. Uh, but again, intuited it. It wasn't yeah. verbal at all. Right. right. Uh, but I just got the sense that they were on break. Okay. You know, everything's energy. And since my near-death experience, I've become sensitive to energy. Mm-hmm. Makes for a pretty good social work practice because yeah. I, I can read people. Yeah. And um, so I can, I guess, read angels too. And they were totally on a break. So I was like, so I thought, okay, I, I need some reality here. So I turned and, and there was a fellow lighting a pipe. And then the booth next to the social work booth was the American Lung Association. And <laughs> those people behind the booth, like, really came down hard on this guy trying to light a pipe. And so I, I thought, okay, I'll look at the pipe. I'll look at this drama. Ooh, they're so mad. Oh, I don't blame them. What's he thinking with the pipe? You know, all this stuff. going. Yeah. Really trying to distract myself. And then I look up again to see the angels are still there. It's like, they didn't go anywhere. So... Before, when I when I saw angels, I didn't take my eyes off of them. This mm-hmm. time, I did. And when I returned my attention to them, um, they were still there, just hanging out. A P.S. on that story, the book After the Light became a popular book. I yeah, hope it yeah. still is. I still get royalty checks. Yeah. By the way, I write exactly like I talk. <laughs> so if you ever read the book, uh, I'll be in your head. If you <laughs> to this podcast. So um, it turns out, flash forward many years later, and I'm approached by a physician who said, I read your book. Mm-hmm. I was actually in the Himalayas trying to get to Mount Everest. I don't think he ever did, but he was, he brought that book to Nepal and he was reading it. And he said, I'm the person that tried to light the pipe. Oh, wow. Yeah. He went into shock. He's on like in the Himalayas. I'm still in Seattle. Yeah. And uh, it was just a shock. And he said that, um, he thought the angels might've been there for he and his brother because later that day, his brother died in that hospital. Hmm. Isn't that interesting. And that's why he was there. He wasn't trying to attend the fair. He was just getting away from it all. And yeah. So it makes in- me wonder if they were there waiting for his brother. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, again, I've never interviewed an angel. Yeah. If they were just maybe waiting until they get into the wedge shape, yeah, they go get him. But uh, it was incredible meeting that person who was, you know, years later, who yeah. was lighting the pipe and could fill in some of the angel story. Yeah. Um, you said you see them in traffic also? Oh, yeah. Can I tell you my favorite story? I keep asking your permission like you're going to say no. <laughs> no, we don't want to hear. Have I not told you this story? I haven't heard it. A no. high five angel. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Brian and able listeners, just go with me on this ride. Okay. So, Harborview Medical Center, where I was working and seeing all the angels in the hospital and thereabouts, as I've already shared, um, 
is on a big cliff that it's called Harbor View because it looks over downtown Seattle to this day and Puget Sound and then the Olympic Mountains. Mm-hmm. And um, interrupting, though, between the hospital on this elevation and downtown is Interstate 5. Okay. I-5. And it's the only north-south corridor between Vancouver and Mexico. So it holds a lot of traffic in all the states. But in rush hour in Seattle, with only – Seattle's a, a – an hourglass shaped city. We've got water and mountains. There's, you know, no way to spread out. So mm-hmm. things below Harborview on I-5 were very compressed because not only were everybody getting off work at about the same time would hit the same spot. Mm-hmm. Here's the bottom line. A lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. So I was um, in this traffic looking at southbound, looking at, to the horizon, brake lights. There's, at that time, three lanes. And I was in the far right, right lane, and I thought, I'm never getting home. Mm-hmm. It was a traffic jam. It was a parking lot beyond a traffic jam. So I'm sitting there like everyone else, you know, just waiting for traffic to break up. And all of a sudden, to my left, I'm hearing it's honk, honk, honk. And a guy swearing, sticking his head out. This is road rage. But we didn't have that term yet. Yeah. But he was honking and swearing at people as if his honks and language was going to move his lane of traffic. Exactly. Yeah. Because he always says Come that. Come on, dude. <laughs> anyway, so, and I, I'm not a swearing woman. And if you hear me swear, I really, really mean it, by the way. But mm-hmm. uh, it was just like, oh, come on. So I try, I'm going to have to do body language. Now I'm going to back up from the camera so you can see what I'm doing. So I'm in the car, okay? Mm-hmm. By myself. I turn to give this driver the stink eye, which is what I learned from my mom and grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so I was giving him the stink eye, except that between my stink eye and the driver was an angel. Hmm. Again, huge. So big. And this was a two-seater sports car this guy was in. So he was still honking and swearing. And the angel next to him was actually, as the physically contained, was scrunched down because he was so big. Hmm. He like sat up straight. I think his head would have been above the roof of the car. Yeah. And I really would have freaked out. But I freaked <laughs> out enough. So here's Kim. So I'm like this, getting ready to, you know, give him my best mom look. And uh, I, there's this angel sitting there. So I'm, I'm like, so I'm like this, which is. How I perceive angels. And the angel, she bent him in a chair. The angel was like, just for me, just, you know, I'm over here going. Again, the usual ignoring of Kim. So in review, I'm like this. Right. And it's like this. Mm -hmm. Until the moment came, the only time an angel has acknowledged my existence, by the way, Hmm. was right now. The angel slowly turned his head to me looked me right in the eye and did this. Hmm. Like, what can I do? He's my guy. I don't like this any more than anyone else. Hmm. Yeah, it's free will time. This is ridiculous. I admit it. I'm not having any influence on him. His anger and ego are too out of control. Yeah. And then the angel 
turned around and I went back to ignoring me and looking straight ahead. And thank goodness we had all that traffic because that lane moved before mine. And I was still, (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So angels, so there's another emotional, so now we have angels who are like guardians Mm -hmm. and we have angels that come to take deceased people. Uh, We have angels that hang around waiting for things. We have angels at concerts and in libraries. And now we have angels on I-5. So do you think that maybe like a spirit guide? I mean, is is that different or do you know? I think different. Okay. Um, I I think different, but that's just me. You know, I'm not an expert. I only know my own experiences. But yeah. I love that angel, though, because my ego got involved. I was like, yeah. oh, it saw me. It knows me. And then it was gone. Yeah. So um, that's... Now, have you seen angels ar- around you other than that time they were protecting you from that negative en- entity? Do you see them uh, active it, in your life? It, yes and No. Um, more I see them on behalf of others. Mm-hmm. Let me look at my cheek cheek. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's right here. Um, all right. I wrote these kind of like an order of memory. This wasn't about me, but it was shocking. Uh, again, now, other than the I-5 angel, I have never been acknowledged, mm-hmm. whether it was about me or not. Hmm. Um, but... Uh, I was with a fellow in a terrible storm on the Washington coast and we need, we were in trouble. We needed some help and he had a motorcycle. And again, it was, it was a bad coastal storm and um, he was going to go get help on his motorcycle and didn't want me on the motorcycle because we didn't know what the roads were like if trees were down or whatever. And so he was leaving me in this storm on the Washington Hmm. State Peninsula, which is a wilderness area. I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to die. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. And then I saw he was bent over as he let, you know, broom, broom. He gets the motorcycle started and he starts to go and he's hunkered down because of the wind and the rain and hunkered down behind him is an angel. Hmm. Again, a big angel, Hmm. but in the same position as if, you know, the rain and wind that he needed protected, protection <laughs> from it. But he, I don't know about genders and angels, uh, but I have perceived male energy, female energy, and just neutral, genderless <laughs> energy. So when I say him or her in my stories, I kind of get an idea of the energy. So mm-hmm. this seemed to have male energy. But anyway, completely holding my friend, bent down, I could see the rain hitting my friend, mm-hmm. but when it got to the angel, it went right through. I could see, I could see rain going right through its body, mm-hmm. and that was a first. Also, mm-hmm. like, wow, they're impervious to weather. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I knew then, though, everything was going to be okay. And that angel would be, I would say, a protective angel. Mm-hmm. Was there one around me? Not that I saw. Yeah. But I did see this, and I didn't. It brought me great comfort, and it was okay. He came yeah. back with help. We got out of there. Done deal. At a story, made for a great story. That's it. Um, 
then uh, another time, we live above a beach in Seattle. Okay. Beach. And once just on the beach, I saw a guy going along and just kind of kicking rocks and just, you know, beach walk, strolling. Mm-hmm. But he was strolling with an angel. And that was a shock because mm-hmm. it was just a day. This wasn't a hospital or a music venue or a school. Or, it was just a just a beach walk. This guy had nothing going on. Yeah. But walking along reminds me of that poem about footsteps, you know, when you're yeah. alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're never alone. Here's my bottom line. In my experience, we are never, ever alone on this earth. Mm-hmm. We are surrounded by what I've come to call invisibilities. And that's my term for the whole collection of stuff that I'm talking mm-hmm. about, which includes angels, but mm-hmm. which is and, and they have jobs. So um, then uh, another time in my own house, uh, there's a woman by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Do you mm-hmm. know her? Yes. Well, she was a good old friend. Actually, she was a mentor. She, I had, oh, okay. Yeah, she put me on stage with her many, many times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were buds. Well, she was in town and uh, came over for dinner. And so she's at the end of this antique dining room set that my grandparents had that Mm -hmm. I stole from them when they replaced it, basically. Antique chairs, antique table. And Elizabeth, you know, place of honors at the end. And we're about to eat, and Elizabeth starts disappearing. She's a little thing anyway, where she was. She's deceased now. Mm -hmm. She's a tiny woman. Mm -hmm. And I, I watched her just kind of slowly disappearing. <laughs> the table's like, what the heck? Well, the chair was breaking and splaying out. Oh, wow. But it was enough to attract angels. And all of a sudden, I see her surrounded by angels hmm. attending to her. Just, again, in protection. Wow. She didn't bump her head. And those were like angels in my home. And in my very own residence. And yeah. that was mind-blowing. So that was another first and uh, Elizabeth packed a punch whenever she spoke. And I can assure you, she was never on stage alone. Hmm. She, she packed angels, that woman. They, wow. I, I don't know if they were attracted to her energy or they were her guides or what. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I told her about it, she said, well, what do you see? And I said, well, I didn't know it was a test, but it was a test. Um, you should bring up all kinds of memories from me. I, I miss Elizabeth, by the way. But anyway, um, I said, well, uh, you know, I'm looking around and it's easier for me to see angels out of the sides of my eyes. Like mm-hmm. I somehow, if I look directly, they kind of move off to the sides of my eyes again. Mm-hmm. So I learned in that moment to do what I to this day called angel vision. But I kind of, if I just sort of let my eyes relax mm-hmm. and not really see anything, even yeah. if there's something in front of me. Yeah, go out of focus. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that again. Go out of focus. Yeah, out of focus. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. You're giving me good words. Um, yeah, so I just, yeah, you know, yeah, just go out of focus. Then I could see. So I said, so I just did that for the first time deliberately to see an angel. Mm. I relaxed my eyes and, and didn't try to stare at anything. And I said, okay, well, they're really big and they look tough. And um, 
uh, and they they're not white. I can see through them, mm-hmm. and they might have wings or not, and they're definitely wearing robes. And did I mention they're big? Yeah. And did I mention they look rough? They look yeah. rough and tough. And she didn't say a thing. She went mm-hmm, like that. And I thought, well, there goes that friendship. You yeah. know, I even say anything. But later I learned, after she had processed it, that's exactly her perception, that Hmm. she had angel guides and that they were big and they were tough. Hmm. And then she also said, I know your angel guide. I was like, Hmm. what? Yeah, by name. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, More of a guide, less of an angel. But uh, I said, well, that's got to be one Tough angel, too. So you asked about my what I sense um, is that I'm surrounded at all times by 13 to 25 angels. Hmm. It's it's weird. It's a it's a big pack. Hmm. But I also think I'm super high maintenance. (laughs) You know, I, I have this scenario in my head of angels going oh no don't send me to the kim no no i'll be good i'll be good no no so i don't know what i generate that needs that much <laughs> help me. but i must generate a lot because hmm. it's there and i can sense those right now i can okay. sense stuff around you right now because i'm like in that mode. so you you sense them but you don't necessarily see them no, the last time I saw an angel, I was pregnant. Hmm. And um, I was at a piano concert. It was over Christmas. I was mm-hmm. with a friend. And all of a sudden, um, the piano concert began, and there was an angel sitting on the table. Like, it was going to burst into song in a nightclub. You know, hmm. that kind of thing, like, feelings. I mean, you know, it was just... <laughs> What's the angel doing on the piano? It's like, what? That I hadn't seen before. Wow. So I turned to my friend and went, oh, my gosh, there's an angel on the piano. But I can still sense the angel, but I couldn't see with my eyes. The mm-hmm. angel. It was mm-hmm. like, what the heck? And that was the last time I ever saw an angel with my eyes. But, and that's been 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think it's because I was about to be a mom for the first time. Mm. And would I be a good parent if I were distracted by seeing angels? Mm-hmm. I think not. So I think as long as I'm in mom mode, I don't need to see the angels. Mm-hmm. But what was never taken away from me was the perception mm-hmm. of them. So I can perceive them all over the place. I walked in uh, not that long ago to another uh, intensive care unit waiting room where someone I knew was husband was dying and didn't know her well, but I was sent there by the social worker because she was all alone. So I went, sure. And um, I walked in and then burst out with, oh my gosh, there's three angels here. Because again, I'm like, I I can't, you know, I I can't not react. Yeah. And, um, she thought that was really, she leaned into it. She said, what do they look like? And I described what I described you. This one there, one there, one above you. And there's just three. And she was blown away. Her husband did die. Years passed. She got back to me and said, you know, since then, I've been to a number of readers, you know, like mm-hmm. psychic people. And she said, every last one says, you know, you've got three angels around you. Mm-hmm. So she said, I want to let you know, because you were the one who started that. 
So that was validating. And like anyone, I love to be validated. Yeah. Um, but there are times when angels have been around me that I haven't perceived it, but others have, okay. which is also interesting. Yeah. Um, one of those times was when uh, the baby that I was trying to deliver didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, a, that's a tough time. Yeah. And I was very upset. And in my real time, I was just uncontrollably crying. I, I just was sobbing. I, I, I couldn't, upon hearing, you know, wouldn't be going home with the baby. Yeah. A friend of mine in Hawaii called me a few days later. She had no idea I was even pregnant. You know, we just said, you know, this is before cell phones and FaceTime, mm-hmm. and Zoom mm-hmm. calls and all that. Yeah. And uh, she called me. She said, I had a vision, and I I decided to share it with you, even though you're not going to believe me. It's really crazy. But in her vision, she saw me in utter blackness, just completely dark. And I was pretty much prostrate. I was on my knees, but bent over and crying really hard. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know why. She just saw that I was very upset in the dark. Mm -hmm. And she said, Floating down really slowly, one by one, were, she said, definitely like females, but they were angels. Mm -hmm. They were like maternal in their vibes, so to speak. And they were floating down with little nightlights. And they kept floating down, and they had wings. Mm -hmm. And they kept floating down and floating down with these soft lights until I was completely buried in them. Hmm. And there was just a soft glow coming through their bodies and their wings, she said. She hmm. said, what the heck's going on? And then I told her, and then she went into shock. Oh, wow. So it was one time I had no um, no uh, possible way of, of, I had no idea. Yeah. And then another time um, when also I was really upset over a loss uh, someone else perceived angels around me. Uh, my loss was my own health and mm. breast cancer. And I had at that time, eight to 10 months to live. And, um, you know, because of my near death experience, I'm fearless, but again, I was also a mother and, um, uh, someone else mailed me uh, again, someone who did not know I had breast cancer, but uh, wrote me a letter with a diagram of angels she saw around me. But she said, it's a funny thing, I couldn't get anything below your chest in the sketch. Something would stop my hand. Hmm. I could draw the angels, and she did. But again, she didn't know I had breast cancer, but this would not come out of her pen. Wow. So, but I also was completely unaware of angels. So... Um, then there are times when um, I have been the angel, and okay. that's cool. Yeah. I think we're all capable of being angels mm-hmm. in the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, one time was, can you stand these stories? Are you still with me? I'm still with you. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I don't even know what our time is or anything. I'm just... We're, we're getting close. Okay. Well, two more stories. Okay. Um, I had gotten gas in town. I used to be young, go figure. 
Yeah, we all um, were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better hair. Yeah, and, and pretty cute. Um, I've been getting gas, you know, at a gas station in Seattle at by Harborview. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pulled out of the gas station, and this guy ran up and said, you have a flat tire, you have flat tire. So I was like, oh. So I pulled into the dark alley. Of course, it had to be an alley, and it had to be dark. Even though it was evening, it wasn't nighttime quite yet. And I pulled in. And I got out of my car to look at, you know, what tire is flat. And mm-hmm. I see this guy approach me. And I thought, okay, I don't have any flat tires. And we're in a dark alley. And he's going to assault me. There was no question. Hmm. No question. And for anyone who's has foreknowledge of an inevitable assault, uh, it's a dreadful place to be. Yeah. That yeah. way. And all of a sudden, something came over me where I felt like I was the angel. And as he approached me with the worst intents, um, I just felt like I became an angel. Hmm. And I loved him. And I began to speak to him. And I said, God loves you so much. I just kept saying that. God loves you so much. And I was filled with love. And I loved him. Hmm. And he got the full blast of that angelic feeling of love. And he stopped in his tracks. And I had the sense that he had not felt loved in a long time, if ever. It was something so new and so good for him. Wow. He just stopped. And so then I just opened my car door, got in and drove off and left him there like this, like I'm used to being. (laughs) <laughs> wow back to god loves everybody I have a funny story if we have time another time i, I felt like an angel it was in las vegas mm-hmm. actually with elizabeth kuba ross back to that okay. uh, we were i told you she brought me on stage a lot so she was there for a big convention and and i was her opening act so to speak mm-hmm. but my husband was off teaching her how to gamble and I went into the restroom, and there was a woman on the floor, um, a hot mess. I would say she was a woman of the night, if I may, just, you know. <laughs> and miserable and crying, all crumpled up on this bathroom floor. And I responded to her, and by the way, <laughs> I was wearing all white. And I had this gold and white shiny shawl. Oh, wow. So that I kind of yeah. probably looked like an angel. And I <laughs> bent over her and asked if I could help. And she looked up and said, are you an angel? And I said, yes. Wow. Because in that moment I was. Yeah. yeah. And she needed to get the heck out of Dodge. And um, she wanted to go home. She lived in Tennessee. She said, mm-hmm. I'm in trouble here. And I'm, I can't even leave this restroom without being watched. And mm. She was in trouble. So, uh, I left with her, mm-hmm. got her to the train station. So I wasn't going to give her money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that would not have been in her pocket for very right. long. Yeah. Um, and saw that she was safely on the train and waved goodbye. And she, I'm sure, is off telling everyone that she had an angel encounter. Yeah. She did. It was me. Well, an angel's a messenger from God. So, yeah, we're right. There you we, go. Yeah. We, we could all... See, again, good words, Brian. You're yeah. just. 
doing it for me today. We could all be angels in, in a certain respect. So I want to ask you. I got to say one more thing. I have mm-hmm. a lot of patients who also thought I was an angel because my hair once mm-hmm. filled Arifosity. This is how my hair goes. Uh-huh. Shorter. It's, you know, Farifosa had these angel wing hairdos. And in my hospital whites and my blonde angel hair, leaning over a patient with the lights behind me. <laughs> Many times I was asked if I was an angel. Interesting. But, except for that one time uh, in the bathroom and then uh, the other time with the guy. Uh, I would just say, no, I'm your social worker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to ask you a couple more questions. One is... Um, how do, you, how do you use your angel experiences to help people that are in grief? Oh, well, I think I've already done it here, even. Just telling stories mm-hmm. and assuring people that we are not alone. We may not be able to perceive anything, but there is not a human being on this planet that is unattended. And that whatever the course of life is, what we have contracted, what, you know, whatever your philosophy is about why we are born, and uh, I just brought up another children's angel story in my head. I have so many stories, Brian. But anyway, um, that we are guided, we are protected. Sometimes, though, this is what I, I'm sharing you what I tell people. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes there are some angels, their job is to stick their angel foot out and trip us so that we can learn to get up, hopefully, mm-hmm. on our own. Um, I So... Angels have functions. I don't believe in praying to an angel. If people say, can I talk to my angels? My advice is no. Talk to God. Mm. And God will provide what you need in your life. Mm, okay. In terms of your awarenesses and your sensitivities and your comfort. Um, and I don't know why I say that. I just kind of... Well, I think that's an interesting point you bring. Some people do deify angels, and I hear especially especially people talk about the archangels, you know, Michael and Gabriel and stuff like that. And I think the people do tend to maybe pray to these to these beings. So um, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I I like to leave it up to what I call God. Yeah, because there's other invisibilities too. There are deceased loved ones. That's a whole other show, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. We'll have to do, we'll have to do another. We'll have to do another episode because I want to talk to you about that. Um, yeah, so there's there's all kinds of ways to provide comfort, and because of that groundedness that I, I reintroduced myself with, I can I can come across as authentic if I choose to, <laughs> and grounded. Yeah, you so, know, it, I, being grounded is overrated because the idea of being grounded, me, you know, it's like there's there's grounded and then there's woo woo, and that's just not the case. It's just these realms you're talking about are an extension of the realm that we all live in that most of us can't perceive most of the time, but it's it's very very real. Um, it's a vision too, you know, yeah. like. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, some people can see things yes. that other people can't all the time. And artists can see the art before it's completed, mm-hmm. for instance. Um, a meteorologist can read the weather. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're perceiving things all the time at such a rapid rate. So why not invisibilities? 
Yeah. I'm, well, and they're they're invisible to our normal vision. So yeah. you know, we we can only see a very small percentage of the of the uh, light spectrum anyway. I mean, a very small percentage. So it's quite possible that they're just operating at a frequency that we can't perceive with our normal eyes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're good. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Also, um, I think that we entertain angels as well. I I think it's possible to crack an angel up. I've, I can't tell you why I think so, but I think there is loving humor involved too. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I just know they're all around us. They seem to have uh, different jobs. In my perception, they're big. But I have a stepdaughter who, in middle school, uh, was with her birth mom, rest in peace. But um, she was uh, had a big fight with her mom and run upstairs to her bedroom. And she said that she looked at her bedroom window on the second floor, and there was this huge angel looking in the window, hmm. standing on the ground. She freaked out. But then the room was filled with like little angel babies that she, she said, like little cherubs. Hmm. And the room got filled and she was so at peace. All the anger and frustration that she'd had with this big fight with her mom. Hmm. Again, junior high age female. Yeah. Do math. You know, yeah. a lot of drama, a lot yeah. of feelings and all that. It just completely went away. She was calm and felt loved. She grew up to uh, go to the Marine Corps. She's had three deployments, two to Iraq, one to Afghanistan. Hmm. She knows she's surrounded by angels. Hmm. Yeah. So here's now someone who grew up to be a, a tough Marine and yet knew because of that experience in junior high that there were angels around her. And although she hasn't perceived them, of course, she's never forgotten it. Yeah, uh, It's helped her on a battlefield. Three times. Fallujah was one of them. Wow. If, you know, you know that was a huge Marine battle in Iraq. So um, it's just comforting. So that's, that's to answer your question in a very roundabout way. I just tell people stories. Uh, and, and they believe me or they don't. You know, it matters not. But it does bring comfort. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it, it does bring up... And it's a tough question that I know you don't have the answer to because I, and I work with a lot of people whose children have transitioned and they'll be like, well, why did this person get an angel to step in and stop this accident from, from happening? But my loved one didn't. Um, and that's, that's a question that I think people often ask when we say we're, we're protected. But um, I guess for me to answer my own question, I think that every, we all have to leave this world at some point. So at some point, you know, it, their angel may be there to take us home. Yeah. Um, uh, at the recent virtual conference for the International Association for Near-Death Studies was mm -hmm. a keynote speaker uh, by the name of Anita Morjani. Mm -hmm. And she talks about exit points. That's what, one thing she learned in her near-death experience. We go through life. We can exit here, exit there. And we're making unconscious uh, decisions sometimes. Yeah about well, we're going to exit or we're going to keep on the highway. But I'm reminded of another angel story. I could just build a little campfire and keep here all night. <laughs> there you go. And I wouldn't mind. Uh, but speaking of car accidents, this was an adult mm -hmm. uh, in a terrible car accident in a place called Bellevue, Washington, which is east of our city. And this made the papers because it was a seven-car pileup 
And all but two people died. So mass casualties, big response, big headlines in the paper. Well, this guy finds his way to the Seattle International Association for Near-Death Studies, Seattle Ions, which I lead, mm-hmm. and um, said that we all re- he shared his story. We all remember the incident, um, but he said that while he was he was injured, um, but while he was in his crunched-up car, he could look out and he saw tubes of light going to infinity coming out of every single vehicle, but his car and another car that had a woman in it. Mm-hmm. And within those columns of mm-hmm. light were angels taking people out mm-hmm. and up through this tube of light to someplace up yeah. there. And it turns out they were the only survivors yeah. of the accident. They both that- that's extremely comforting, uh, and and I think that's something that we that everybody can take with that that we're never alone, as you said. And for people whose loved ones have, may have transitioned, that we wonder, okay, did they die alone? What, you know, were they okay? Were they were they comfortable? Were they comforted? Um, were they scared? I think that answers all those questions. Yeah, I would say on a spiritual level, not at all. Yeah, they were comforted. So were the bereaved. But in her bereavement, like me bent over crying when a woman in Hawaii was having a vision of, you know, these maternal kind of angels floating around and enveloping me with light. Um, We may not be aware of it in her grief. Right. But they're there for us. And they love us. Yeah. They love us. Yeah, that that I think it's a great way to end. I, I really pre- I, I enjoy talking to you. We could do this all day. So I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, it, it's it's very um, it's comforting for people to know. So any anything you want to say before we close? Um, God bless you and keep you, and may angels watch over you. Awesome, awesome. Thanks a lot, Kim. Mm-hmm. You enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too, Ryan. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. So just send me a text to 31996 and simply text the word growth, G-R-O-W-T-H. In fact, you can right now just say, hey, Siri, send a message to 31996. And when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say growth. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, Visit www.grief2growth.com.
Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.